Well, good morning, everyone. It is so good to see you this beautiful Thursday, and uh, thank you so much for joining us for Daily Devotions through Redeeming Life Fellowship. And today, as we continue this journey through Luke, the Gospel of Luke, we're going to be in Luke chapter 22, verses 1 through 38. And the majority of this passage, I would wager, at least by this point, as we've been going through the Gospel of Mark, the Gospel of Matthew, uh, this journey through the New Testament, that a lot of this is actually going to come off as very familiar because this is uh, the Last Supper. This is the the, the narrative account, the root uh, narrative for the thing that's been passed down to us that we celebrate called the Last Supper or Communion, the Eucharist. Uh, we celebrate communion and remembering what it is that God has done for us uh, through Jesus Christ by being able to give his body and to give his blood and to establish a new covenant of relationship that's that's sealed in his blood so that you and I can have a living relationship with a living God. So this is of no small importance about what it is that we're about to read today. But with Luke, uh, it's actually really important because the way in which that he he weaves material together, gives us an insight not just into the um, this moment in time where Jesus is establishing a new covenant uh, with his people and that we're uh, remembering what it is that Jesus did for us, but that we're to see in this celebration of, of communion that we see also what it is that Jesus has done for us and we're to understand or to see in that what it is that Jesus did. And if we're followers of Jesus, how what we're seeing is supposed to be an example for you and for me. So that by remembering the what it is that Jesus has done for us and we're followers of Jesus, we're supposed to understand how it is that what we see in communion is meant to be an example for you and I. And uh, let's maybe think about it this way. Because here in this moment, there's also going to be some debate uh, between the disciples about who's the greatest. And which is really interesting because by this point, we remember that Jesus has become a very popular a uh, powerful, authoritative figure in the eyes of the people, so much so that he's even, you know, challenging the existing uh, powers and authorities and, and voices of influence, so that by following Jesus, the status and the power associated with that status of all the disciples has risen exponentially. Uh, they're somebody in the eyes of the world. Um, their existence, it, it, it matters. Their significance, their importance uh, is something bigger than it's ever been and probably for all of the disciples bigger than they could have ever dreamed uh, by being able to um, sort of ride the coattails of Jesus so that in his meteoric rise to power and authority that they're going to go along with them and uh, and that they too are going to share in his power and his prestige and his status and his authority. And in a sense, 
I suppose you could say that's true, but that's totally missing the point. And, uh, and it's, it's interesting then, because here, even at this table where Jesus is meant to uh, show them how they can have fellowship with God because of the self-sacrifice that God has done by giving his son, that this is the, the most perfect example of self-giving love that the world has ever seen. Uh, and if that's what they're supposed to see, and while at the same time having arguments or debates amongst themselves about who's the greatest, then they've totally missed the point and lost the plot. And so uh, with that, let's go ahead and just sit down and read through uh, Luke chapter 22 verses 1 through 20, 1 through 38 and see how it is that Jesus takes this occasion of the Last Supper as something that is instructive on how it is that the disciples um, need to learn from the thing it is that they're actually celebrating. So, here we go. Luke chapter 22, verses 1 through 38. Now the Feast of Unleavened Bread, called the Passover, was approaching, and the chief priests and the teachers of the law were looking for some way to get rid of Jesus, for they were afraid of the people. Then Satan entered G Judas, called Iscariot, one of the twelve, and Judas went to the chief priests and officers of the temple guard and discussed with them how he might betray Jesus. They were delighted and agreed to give him money. He consented and watched for an opportunity to hand Jesus over to them when no crowd was present. Then came the day of, of unleavened bread, on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. Jesus sent Peter and John, saying, Go and make preparations for us to eat the Passover. Where do you want us to prepare for it? They asked. He replied, As you enter the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him to the house that he enters, and say to the owner of the house, the teacher asks, Where is the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? He will show you a large upper room, all furnished. Make preparations there. They left and found things just as Jesus had told them, so they prepared the Passover. When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table, and he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, this is my body, given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. But the hand of him who is going to betray me is with mine on the table. The Son of Man will go as it has been decreed, 
But woe to that man who betrays him. They began to question among themselves which of them it might be who would do this. Also, a dispute arose among them as to which of them was considered to be greatest. Jesus said to them, The kings of the Gentiles lord it over them, and those who exercise authority over them call themselves benefactors. Now let's pause there for a second. When we mean about benefactors, we're talking about wealthy patrons or people who have ambition to be able to climb the social ladder and to use their wealth in such a way that only serves to get them another rung higher, another rung higher, another rung higher in the social circle. So in other words, you might uh, build uh, a public bath or uh, uh, put on entertainment or build roads or a marketplace and do so in a way that uh, is inscribed with your name uh, that's attributed to you so that everyone who enjoys these, uh, this uh, public service uh, will be ingratiated to you and so that if you're wanting to run for Senate or another public office, they're going to want to vote for you, which is going to get you up higher. And then it gives you more wealth and power so that you can be an even stronger benefactor and do more public services, which then uh, ingratiates the people even more so to be able to elevate you up and so on and so forth and until who knows however high that you can get before you die. Uh, that is what a benefactor does. And what Jesus is saying is saying, like, you know how the Gentiles do this. You know that the, the how this game is played. That uh, these rulers, they lord it over them, and they'll take credit for oftentimes for things that they didn't even actually do, so that these people um, are then obligated uh, in some measure or another to be able to lift you up even higher. And at this point, Jesus knows that by following him, that the, that the, the power that's associated with the status and the glory of following Jesus is going to their heads. And they're prepared to play the same game. That, uh, that the usefulness of following Jesus as a way to be able to elevate their status above everybody else, uh, that this is where they're stuck. This is where they found themselves. And uh, Jesus is saying, you know the way that this game is played. You know how they do this. And this is not going to be the way that it's going to be among you. Uh, because <laughs> that's not what Jesus did in giving his own life. Uh, Jesus did what he did without any ego. Uh, so let's continue. And it says this, Verse 26, but you are not to be like that. Instead, the greatest among you should be like the youngest and the one who rules like the one who serves. For who is greater, the one who is at the table or the one who serves? Is it not the one who is at the table? But I am among you as one who serves. You are those who have stood by me in my trials and I confer on you a kingdom just as my father conferred on me, 
so that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on thrones judging the twelve tribes of Israel. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. Uh, but he replied, Lord, I am ready to go with you to prison and to death. Jesus answered, I tell you, Peter, before the rooster crows today, you will deny three times that you know me. Then Jesus asked them, when I sent you without purse, bag, or sandals, did you lack anything? Nothing, they answered. He said to them, But now if you have a purse, take it, and also a bag. And if you don't have a sword, sell your cloak and buy one. It is written, And he was numbered with the transgressors, and I tell you that this must be fulfilled in me. Yes, what is written about me is reaching its fulfillment. The disciples said, See, Lord, here are two swords. That is enough, he replied. So the drama is there is getting extremely tight, um, not least because uh, the, the disciples have in their minds one thing and Jesus has in their minds totally another. Uh, and so as we're, uh, we celebrate communion, let's remember the sort of thing that Luke wants us to remember. Uh, is to how this is an example, um, the most perfect example of self-giving love, selfless um, act of sacrifice uh, in order to save the unlovable. That that's the example that we are to have. Uh, that our position, whatever it happens to be in following Jesus, is not one to be to be wielded for our own self-benefit, but to be one where we love in the way that Jesus loved, and that's to love self-sacrificially. And so uh, with that, uh, thank you so much for joining us for Daily Devotions. Uh, it's been a pleasure. And as you can see, I've got uh, Luca, who wanted to make a, a surprise appearance again. Hi, Luca. How are you doing? Uh, and so uh, if you haven't, subscribed to the YouTube channel or check out our podcasts. Uh, you can find uh, connections to be able to uh, give to this church plant that we're working on here in Whitley County. And uh, I pray God would bless you and keep you, sustain you, uh, and that uh, each and every one of us will become more like Jesus uh, after what it is that we've read today. So, do you want to say goodbye? Say, bye-bye. I love you all so much. Oh, yes, you're a good cat. All right, I'll see you guys next time. Take care.